once again, Steve Dunn Podcast. You know, I am a mediator, and I've been thinking lately I should talk to more mediators on this show about mediation. And I have the perfect person today, Greg Parent. Greg is an old friend from law school, and he is now one of the most successful mediators in Atlanta. It did not happen by accident. Anybody who knows Greg knows that he's an absolute networking machine. Some of it comes naturally, but he also makes an effort and is organized about it. I thought it would be good to talk to Greg about how to build a mediation practice. It was awesome catching up. Hope you enjoy our conversation. I was a defense attorney. I wasn't really good at marketing myself. In fact, if I went to parties, I didn't tell people I was an attorney. That the last thing I wanted to do is talk about the law or do things like that. When I transitioned into the plaintiff side, one attorney, um, when I met with him, he took the time to take me to lunch and he said, always have a business card on you. Always be talking about what you do and, and always be listening and, and trying to meet with people and never eat a meal alone. That was really weird when he said that, never eat a meal alone. And what he meant was, a meal is a time to meet with other attorneys, even if it's your core friends. Get together, swap stories, stay, stay abreast of one another. And I really took that to heart. But what I did, there's some tangible things I did that uh, I, I always sound like a 1950s curmudgeon, but I took the state bar directory and I literally went through page by page and kind of identified every attorney I knew or had worked with or I could remember by name. And I started building up my own database. I would just, Steve Dunn, I'd name the firm, get the number, get the address, and start building that network. And I uh, sent individual personalized emails to everyone on that list. I did that one time and got some responses. And, and the emails would say, hey, I'd give them sort of a brief three-paragraph email. First paragraph would say, hey, Steve, how's Kelly? How are the kids? How's life? Sorry about that loss for your team. Um, you may recall that I did A, B, and C, and I would list out my history. And then my closing paragraph would be like, hey, I'm now a mediator at Miles Mediation. Please keep me in mind for your next mediation. So it was something personal, something to remind them of who I was and give them, because your friends know you, but your friends don't always know your history. And then you have to make the ask. And the ask is an important thing, and it's not natural for me. It's not natural for anyone. I think I make it look easier than a lot of folks, but it's not natural. It's not easy for anyone to sort of say, hey, use me, please use me. We'll work for food. We'll mediate for food. Well, let me just jump in and say that you mentioned one of the things that I think is, in my own experience, uh, helped a lot, and that's going out to lunch. I, As a practicing lawyer, I, I mediated for a long time while I was still practicing law. Uh, for 10 years, from 2009 to 2019, right. I was a lawyer and, and known as a lawyer. Uh, but I was mediating cases. But the, the thing that I would do that I noticed had tangible results in terms of booking mediations was literally just having lunch with people. And during lunch mentioning somehow that you know, a case that I had mediated or the fact that I was a mediator and that would generate questions and it had tangible, measurable results in terms of bookings. And let me tell you a story about uh, my own transition to being full-time. I sent an email to the local bar to announce the departure from my law firm and the opening of what was then Steve Dunn Mediation, my solo mediation practice. Right. And I got a call the following day from you, a guy who <laughs> I had gone to law school with many years ago, but hadn't kept closely in touch with. 
And you congratulated me on the move. You informed me that you were a mediator in Atlanta and that you'd heard the good news. And then you you proceeded to, for about 15 minutes, uh, I would describe it as berating me about all of the work that I was going to need to do. You were telling me you got a, you know, you got 10 slots a week that are lunches, breakfasts, or drinks after work. You got to fill those up. I need you. You were telling me, like, I, I want to see you uh, sponsoring little league teams and dropping off flowers to the receptionists at the law firms. And you got to be sending emails and. Uh, and so there's a lot, uh, I, you, basically what the, what I heard you say was a lot of stuff that I was thinking about doing anyway, but just sort of turbocharged. And I wonder if you would agree as a, as a general proposition that there's a, a strong correlation between effort and results when it comes to trying to build a practice that you can't just wait, sit around and wait for it to come to you. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I do remember that call. I think I was even meaner than, than you're describing. I think I said something to the effect of. If you do these things, check in with me. If not, I'm not going to bother with you. Point I realized, and I did this, I kind of realized as I, as I was going, my sister was a pharmaceutical sales rep and is a pharmaceutical sales rep. And I remember her telling me about her job. And I used to think it was fun because she would say, yeah, I brought breakfast to these doctors at this office. Then I had lunch at another doctor's office. And I took um, this whole doctor's group to dinner at a steakhouse. And I used to think, that's awesome. What a cool job. And it sounds awesome until you have to get up at seven to do a breakfast and you have to go do a lunch and you have to go do a dinner and you have to be on a hundred percent. Now I'm, I'm the, the biggest extrovert you'll ever find. I mean, extroverts look to me and go, well, I guess I'm introverted. That's an extrovert. I'm an introvert, but so I have no problem getting the energy by being around people, but it can be exhaustive. And I treated it like a full-time job. And even when I was not meeting, I wasn't doing a mediation a week. I was probably working 60 hours a week on trying to get to where I wanted to be. And what are you doing? Nuts and bolts. What are you doing during those 60 hours a week? I would go to Miles in full suit and I would get there about nine o'clock and I would greet and just kind of hang out in the lobby at our office. We might have three to four mediations going on, but I would go up there. I'd look the part. I would hope people wouldn't know whether or not I was mediating that day, uh, but just say, Hey, I'm mediating. And Joe was instrumental then. Joe Murphy would say, Oh, this is Greg parent. You ought to book him now because pretty soon you won't be able to get him. He's great. He's on my team. He's one of, you know, heck of a guy. And he was probably responsible for introducing me to two or three people a day, you know, maybe 10 to 15 people a week. And I would do that four times a week, just go up there. No mediations on the books. Um, I'd come home about 10, 15, trained, you know, try not to wrinkle my shirt too much so I could use it again and hang my suit up. And then I would commence to writing emails and, and going back to the email list. So once I compiled an email list of maybe 200 attorneys, I wrote them all. And then about three to four months later, I'd write them again, and I'd try to change it up a little bit. I had one good fortune thing that happened to me. Uh, an attorney asked me if I wanted to cover for him at the Weather Channel. They did three two-minute segments on the Weather Channel, and suddenly I had links to send out to people to say, hey, I don't know if you got my first email, but check, some, check this out. I was on the Weather Channel. And something weird about that happened. There, there were some attorneys of, of great renown who are used to being on TV and used to working through the media. Knowing how hard it is to be on television, they respected that. They said, wow, you did a really good job. That was impressive. We've been on TV. We know how hard that is. And it was, you know, I'm not a TV star. I don't think I've been on TV since. Right. But what you did was you had an accomplishment. You had a meaningful event in your professional life. And you didn't just leave it at that and hope that it might have some effect. Right. You then took that and sent that link to this database of people who you've carefully cultivated, right? And yeah. I would I would venture a guess that when you're, when, uh, 
when you're getting introduced to lawyers at the Miles office, you're adding them to your database. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone I would meet, anyone I had lunch with, I'd get their database, I'd get their cell phone, I would keep in touch. Around this time, uh, LinkedIn was, was here. Facebook was already here because this would have been 2011, 2012. But it was still sort of in its infancy. I guess even, even our age folks weren't yet to Facebook, so I think even the kids called it cool. But I recognize it was a great way to get messaging out there. And one thing about social media, I don't use LinkedIn as much as I probably should. I'm not as adept as you are. Uh, but I found that a lot of folks use Facebook to kind of vet mediators. Because, you know, in one sense, mediators need to be able to walk and chew gum. And, and you presume your mediator can do that. The rest of it's like fit. Uh, think of like your, your dentist is, is more of a fit than just anyone. Your hairdresser, if you have hair, I do not, you do. But my wife has been with the same hairdresser longer than we've been married. You're right. It's a personal relationship. It's a personal and relationship. Let me be clear in saying that the only reason I use LinkedIn is because I quit Facebook. <laughs> I used to be a really good Facebooker, uh, but I, I left Facebook for my own personal reason. You know, I just, no, and I, I respect that. Um, but, but LinkedIn is useful in that way. But I, I totally agree that I think social media can be a great leveraging point for building a practice. If you're conscious about the message that you're putting out there, you're giving people a sense of your personality. And then it's great from a networking perspective to have something to talk about with people. Like when you see them, you can say, hey, it looks like you had a great time you know, at the beach last month. Looks like you had a great time at the beach. Congrats on the new grandkid. Uh, your kid is growing up so fast. How was that I, restaurant? Oh, I see you like the movie. Yeah. And, and, and Steve, you know, in case our podcasters didn't know, you are a Duke grad and I'm a Tar Heel. And that's I right. let you hear about it all the time. No, that's right. And you let me hear about it. But even, and I use sports as sort of my, um, one of my opening lines just to kind of mess with people. But it creates sort of an understanding of who people are. Even if I'm dealing with Duke people, I might start a mediation by saying, you know, normally your media is supposed to be fair and impartial, but your attorney went to Duke, and this this isn't going to turn out well for you today. That's right. It it it, you know, it, it breaks the. It's an icebreaker. Tension. It's an icebreaker. And but you it, put it, that in consistent. your database, right? When you meet somebody new, you're you're putting in information about not just name and address and and phone number. I first of all, let me say, I totally agree with cell phone. I've gotten to the point now where I don't. I affirmatively do not want any other phone numbers besides the cell phone because it confuses my contacts. Yeah. I will get, like if I have m multiple phone numbers within the same law firm, I'll get a phone call and it looks like it's coming from someone else in the firm. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I've, I'm really trying to pare it down so I only have cell phone numbers, but you're also keeping track of other things, right? Well, my, my memory, before Facebook, I was sort of a human Facebook. I've always had great name recall, great face recognition and name recognition. I'm able to remember spouses, kids, and school, but school is sort of my memory mnemonic, so... I, I, when I see people, I'm like, Thundering Herd, Marshall, that's Jim. <laughs> and I can say, Jim, close game the other day. Um, but but what the deeper dive on that, going to social media, and I understand why people quit Facebook and other things. But I think as a professional, you have to choose how to use it. And, and a lot of people get upset, or not upset. They think social media is fake and pretend. And I say, of course it is. <laughs> it's, it's your cocktail party. When you have a cocktail party, or when you host guests in your home, you don't show them your trash drawer, you don't show them your utility closet, you don't show them your medicine drawer, you don't invite them into the master bedroom or the master bath, you clean the living room, you threaten the kids with their lives not to make a mess after you vacuum the dining room, you pull out big china that you never use on because your paper plates during the week, and you put on a sincere show, but a well-cultivated show. It's almost like you're an actor and you've been, you're blocking for the camera, 
and you, you, know, you block off 40% of your house and the 60% you want, and you bring out your good stuff and that's it. Well, that's the same approach I bring to Facebook. I'm sincere, 100%, but I'm not gonna talk politics. I'm not gonna talk religion. I'm not gonna talk salary or, or all the taboo things that anyone with common sense shouldn't do, you don't do because um, you're gonna mediate and work with people on all sides of the spectrum. And if you can prove that, you can do that, you're gonna increase your potential pool of folks who wanna hire you. Steve, I'm, I'm proud of a lot of the work I've done, but, but some of the best work I've done have been with people who came in. And if you were just to look at you know, headlines or um, sound bites or Facebook posts or memes, they wouldn't hire me and I wouldn't wanna work with them, but, but you have to get beyond that. And so if you can present yourself as a professional, and, and I hope people listen to this part seriously because we all have opinions, I have opinions, but we don't need to let that be how we address people and certainly not how we conduct business. Um, it doesn't matter to me who you voted for. It matters that you understand the law, you understand your leverage in this negotiation, and you understand what they're willing to do and what you might have to do by way of going to trial if you don't wanna accept where they are. And always, always, always bring respect and dignity for folks. Let me ask you this. Uh, I want to talk about the importance of knowing who your customers are, you know, who, who are your clients as a mediator. I have a pretty strongly held view that it's lawyers uh, that choose mediators. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes and no. I, I've heard that it's been adjusters. I, I have an advantage over some in that I was an adjuster. So when I get in that room, I, I always liken it to John McClain and Die Hard being able to talk to the beat cop. I always establish that kind of rapport like, hey, you're a first responder. I used to be the first responder. You've been with this file as long as the injured party. Um, I hear you. I'm going to be listening to you all day. I want your input. Well, you know what I think <clears throat> that shows is that there's a lot that has to do with the, your practice area, right? You have, a lot of us tend to specialize in a practice area as a lawyer. And there, it seems to me that there's a lot of carryover uh, into our work as mediators, and that varies a lot. Like some types of claims are insured almost all the time. Other types of claims almost never have insurance involved at all. So I would say to somebody trying to build a mediation practice, uh, at least be thoughtful about who you're trying to reach out to. You know, in my own experience, it's uh, it's been lawyers uh, almost entirely. And I'm curious what your thought is about practice area and whether um, whether to cast a wide net or to uh, bill yourself as somebody who's got a narrow focus and expertise. I think you have to have certain knowledge, a certain knowledge base. And with our continuing education requirements, I pick a new one each time. Like I come from a primarily a torts background, insurance defense, but my continuing legal, legal education, they're in construction law, they're in employment law, they're in fields where I didn't necessarily practice. I think a good mediator is like a good actor. Same actor, three different people, and you believe he's all those people. What we do as mediators is the same as what we do as lawyers. Lawyers don't know everything. We know how to research it, we know how to find the information, and we know how to digest, study it, digest it, and ask the right questions. We, when we go into a room, we have about two minutes, maybe 30 seconds, to size up the room to figure out who we need to be talking to. And sometimes that evolves and changes. Someone a quiet, sometimes a quiet introvert is actually the head of the, the family oh yeah <laughs> and yeah. you have to figure that out but we have to do that and go in and i think eq trumps iq in mediation because our job isn't to decide on the black letter law right that, no you know, no i'm with you 100 percent. so and, no and, one's coming to us for that yeah no i'm intrigued though uh really about the nuts and bolts of trying to grow a practice as a mediator and 
Uh, you mentioned that you go to events like on a weekly basis, you get mediations that you're doing, you're following up on cases that haven't settled yet. But one of the things that you do is go to events. So how do you decide what type of events to go to and what do you do when you're there? I went to all of them, <laughs> literally all <laughs> yeah. of them. And what are we talking about? Bar events, get-togethers? Uh, bar events, parties, uh, cocktail hours um, with the different groups. I would try to hit the defense lawyer uh, events as well as the plaintiff's lawyer events. Uh, individual parties, if there are ever more folks gathered, I would try to hit those. And what do you do there? When you, you show up, you're, you're getting a drink at the bar, and people are standing around. What, how do you approach those interactions? concerted effort to, to meet people, meet the new folks, find out what they do. And, and this will sound silly, but I never considered anyone more important than the other. And I, I sometimes call this the animal farm way of looking things. Sometimes you'd meet like a, the first year associate at an event. Well, the first year associate I met 12 years ago now has her own firm. I totally agree with that. She I, has her I, own firm, and she remembers that I treated her with respect and yeah. dignity day one. 100%. I and, think young lawyers are an absolutely fantastic uh, source of, um, of just good relationships to have uh, for all kinds of reasons. I agree with you completely. I also agree that uh, being yourself is an absolute key, again, both in terms of networking and also in terms of the work itself. You have to be authentically yourself all the time or because people know when you're not and it's not what the gig is. It may be part of the process to stretch yourself a little bit in terms of even going to those things. That's something I didn't even do. Yeah, well, yeah. Being totally yourself is reading a book in your den on right. your couch every night, then yeah, you're going to have to right. stretch. So you have to like make a point of attending like the conferences and the, the bar get togethers and the, you know, the evening type of, I, you know, make a point to attend those things. But once you're there, then it, you're just being yourself. <laughs> you think, well, you can be yourself. Yeah. But you do have to get out there. But, but let me tell you about one other part that, that is sort of in the mediation networking. So let's presume you've gotten a bite or two. You have to show all that you can do in every mediation every time. And this is where, I don't want to liken myself to some superstar because I'm not, but this is where I picked this, this up from Mickey Mantle, actually. Mickey Mantle one time was, you know, game 120 of the season. I don't know if the Yankees were even in it. Well, I guess Mantle, they were always in it. But he had legged out a, a grounder that was going to be an easy out. He was going to be thrown out by a mile. And he ran it out, like, full speed. And the announcer later said, why did you do that? And he said, you know, Today might be the only day or the first day some kid, some six-year-old kid, some 10-year-old kid is watching me play, and I want to leave it all out in the field and give them a good show. There are times, you know this, a mediation is dead in the water after the first move. You know, the, 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 you know, the, the expectation is going to be a low or maybe a mid to high six-figures case, and they're in eight figures. You know, they're looking for $10 million plus, and you just realize this isn't going to happen. That's time for the mediation to start. And that's the way I kind of look at it. I, I, I don't look at myself as like a utility player. I look at myself like Mariano Rivera, a closer. They hired me to close. They waited two months to get me. They want to see a close. They want to see me perform all the songs I know. And so you have to start going in a methodical way. And you'll, you'll find yourself the Dunn way, the Parent way, the Murphy way. You have to show that you thought of all these possibilities that they didn't. I'll give you an example. Yesterday's mediation didn't go well. They were miles apart. But we spent some time talking. And I raised some ideas in both rooms to give them food for thought and things to think about, you start seeing some patterns, you start seeing things that can work, and you never know which suggestion might help someone. But if you are fairly exhaustive in every mediation, and the upshot of it is this, people want mediators who work hard and don't give up. 
And if you have that reputation and you have that reputation early, I've never once had anyone complain about how long a mediation takes because we might go off subject and talk about movies or a game or Game of Thrones or something like that. But I'm always going to make sure I circle back and cover every little thing and make sure we leave no stone unturned. In terms of business development, the mediations that you actually get are a wonderful opportunity to show yourself and prove yourself. And, and I'll say this. Let me say this about Joe Murphy. One of the things he said was that's not only is that your audition, but that's now at least one plaintiff's attorney, one defense attorney, and one claims professional who have seen you. And they're now going to go out and at least you're going to make their list. In a mediation, you don't need to get every mediation. What you need to be is part of the conversation. And, and you may have heard me say this before. I liken it to the way the Heisman voting goes. I might be the third choice for each of the two, but I might be the only one who's on both lists. That's right. And, and so, it, but it starts with, hey, you know what? I don't need to put out a polarizing social media post. So when people go to do work right. and look me up, Someone doesn't go. I will never do that because he yeah, flies that flag. Yeah, you're disqualifying yourself. Yeah. You need to, yeah, you need to be an accepted, an acceptable alternative. It also helps to be some people's first choice, though. And I wonder if you think back on when you were getting started, if you can think of a couple or a handful of lawyers who started, who the first ones who started using you repeatedly, who helped expose you to another lawyer on the other side or another insurance professional. And I refer to this always as expanding the circle. So if I have a mediation, I love mediations where I know the lawyers on both sides. It's a wonderful thing. But if I've got a mediation with a, somebody who I know and somebody who I don't know, well, I'm expanding the circle. And do you, uh, do you think back on the folks who took a chance on you early? Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorites was an adjuster who asked me one day if I would travel. I didn't know what she meant, but she just meant like an hour and a half south or an hour and a half north of the city. And uh, I said, sure, I'll do that. And um, so she booked two. And when, and I presume just my first thought was, well, they might be folks who look like me or something. And she, thinks, she just thinks I would be a good fit. Well, I went to the first one and the folks in one room looked like the soggy bottom boys from Oh Brother Where Art Thou, long beards down to their, you know, Look like nothing like me. Right. And the other room looked like ZZ Top with their beards. And I thought, I just looked at her. I said, you must really think I'm good because I don't look anything like these folks. Right. And I, I don't think I have the first thing in common. Well, again, that's where you have to check your, your internal prejudices or prejudging. And I just went in. I was myself. We started... I think I even said, you look like CC Top. You yeah. guys look like the there soggy you go. Yeah, boys. just be yourself. You just own it. You talk about the elephants in the room. And then you yeah. just build rapport. You create your own luck. Some of that happens after you've notified a bunch of people to where someone goes, have you met Greg Parent? No, but I got an email from him. That's the guy. And sometimes I've met people and they've known to me by reputation or they've come to me and said, we did our research on you. And what they've done is talk to other people. So you were a student talking about who were my earlier champions and, and folks who were throwing my name out there. Uh, it helps when you get someone who's a big voice at a firm I think one of my first people who was a good voice for me was someone who was pretty high up at uh, one of the in-house insurance carrier firms. And that person would say, hey, give Greg a shot, give Greg a shot. And then you always have to deliver. Even with the people that, that love you, you can't have a bad day. No, you, you really, really can't. can't. No. So there's a, pressure, there's a pressure that I put on myself that I think, I think is greater than what they're putting on me. Yes, I, th I think it's about effort, though. Yeah. It's about trying hard. As long as people don't, people understand you can't settle every case. But you got to give it your all every time. They need to know that. Um, they need to know that you've tried. If I could give one bit of advice to, to folks who want to mediate, 
don't look at the top meteors and think you can do that immediately. It took me a long time to get where I was, and, and I never really took a day off. I was just talking to someone earlier, and they were telling me about this attorney who always worked six or seven days a week just without fail. And I, I thought about it for a second and said, wow, that's crazy. And I thought about the little things I do. I'm always doing something every day, whether it's a text here, which goes to why you want someone's cell phone. Just, just today, I found this old picture uh, of myself that had this collectible toy wouldn't make sense to anyone else but this one adjuster who I met three weeks ago who owns a toy store. So I texted him that picture. I may never see that guy again, but I've already created a bond that showed, hey, I listened to you. I remember what you did. How cool is this? Should I have kept this? <laughs> Should I have kept this toy? And, and, and that might be something that gets me on his list for next time. But regardless of whether he did it, it was just a cool bond that we made and I wanted to show that I remembered that. And, and he may remember that and use me again, but whether he does or not, if I see another cool toy and an old picture of mine, I'm going to send it to him because I remember that sort of thing. But that's, you know, I love what I do. And the last thing I'll tell you is this, Steve. Early on in my career, there was an adjuster with Geico. I'm going to use her name, Elizabeth. Um, she asked me if I liked what I did. And I kind of smiled and said, I, I don't know how to answer that because I get so giddy and I think I can just sound like a big old homer but I love what I do. I just love it, love it, love it, but I don't want to look stupid and say that. And she said, no, say it and never say it differently. Say it that way all your time. People want to work with people who love what they do. And I think if you love what you do, there are litigators who love what they do, and, and I, I can't see that because I didn't love litigating like they do, um, but I do love mediation like that. And I think it, it just leaps off me. Um, the last thing I would say is there are folks who identify themselves as attorneys who mediate, I made the conscious effort to say I'm a mediator. I didn't care if people didn't know what it was. I was patient. No, I don't meditate. I mediate. Right. I would have to tell people that, and I would go, and I would um, make sure they knew that. And I think that's a big deal, because internally you have to identify yourself as that. And uh, we say sometimes cut the ropes to your boats so that you can't – you're stuck there now. You're stuck as a mediator. If people don't understand what it is, you do that. So if anything, and, and maybe you have somebody who's nicer to you, than I was to you, Steve. But now nah, um, you're great, Greg. You 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 gave me. There were words of wisdom, and I hope to follow in your footsteps in many ways. We we have to cut this short, unfortunately, because you have to go do a mediation right now. And so I appreciate so much you're taking some time out of your day to be on the Steve Dunn podcast. Thank you.